it, it's kind of hard to find a fitting scripture for what I'm going to bring today from the Word of God, but um, if you could turn there with me to the 31st chapter of Ezekiel. And we will read together the 15th through and the 16th verse. Ezekiel 31, 15, and 16. And when you find it, please stand. And I know that we all have it here. Ezekiel 31. we have it. Let us read together, please. Thus saith the Lord God, in the day when he went down to the grave, I caused the mourning. I covered the deep for him. I restrained the floods thereof, and the great waters were stayed. And I caused Lebanon to mourn for him, and all the trees of the field fainted for him. I made the nations to shake at the sound of his fall. When I cast him down to hell with them that descended into the pit, and all the trees of Eden, the choice, and the best of Lebanon, all that the drink water shall be confident in the nether part of the earth. Mm. Let's read the 17th verse. They also went down into hell with him, unto them that be slain with the sword, and they that were his arm, that dwelt under his shadow in the midst of the heathen. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And I just want to take some time this morning not to preach at you, but just to simply talk to you. And uh, I want to pose several questions to you. But the main question that I'd like to pose to you all this morning is, what if there really is a hell? What if there really is a hell? place called hell, a place that existed that continually burned forever. As I was looking at the newborn baby that Kayla had on yesterday, and I looked at that little girl with all of her innocence, you know, and yet a lack of reality that as cute and loving as she was, she was born spiritually dead. People are born spiritually dead and don't know it. They don't know it because they're blinded by sin. Man has a dead spirit and is dead to the life on earth. And to be alive, he has to be reborn. But the saddest part to me is that most people will challenge me on this. Most people will say to me, I'm not dead. I hear everything you say. 
I see what you're doing. I can move my body. I'm breathing, exhaling, and inhaling, so I cannot be dead. Well, when Adam sinned, God told him that he would surely die. And we know that Adam lived for years after that, but something happened to the inside of Adam. And that same thing now happens to everyone that's born on the earth, you know, until we come into the reality of Christ. Is there anyone in here who has never seen a dead body? Anybody in here never seen a dead body in your life? Okay, so when you look at a dead body, there is something that you realize. Anybody in here ever tried to talk to a dead body? Oh, come on. You know when somebody close to you die, you say, Mama, I'm sorry, whatever. You, but you know, you've tried to talk to a dead body on occasion. But there was no response, was it? So, so a dead body, a physically dead body, they can't respond. A physically dead body can't look at you. A person can die with their eyes open, but they're not seeing you. They are not going to laugh at your jokes. They're not going to feel warm to your touch. They're not going to be exhaling and inhaling. They're not going to agree or disagree with you. So, so a, a physically dead person offers no response like we do in life. And the reason is because there is no life in them. Now, the same is true when you try to speak life into a person that's physically alive and spiritually dead. In other words, those people who do not repent, those people who choose not to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, those people who say, I got plenty of time, and then something happens to them, will definitely be cast from the presence of God. But the sad part to me is most spiritually dead people are also people who don't believe what I just said. Most people believe that they got plenty of time, that they're going to do it, but they're going to do it in their time. But, but, but let's examine my first question. What if there really is a hell? What if there really is a lake of fire, everlasting punishment, prepared for the rejectors of Jesus Christ? What if hell is real? What if there is a place deep in the earth that is so dark, that smells so bad, where you see all forms of human beings are? What if there is a place deep into the earth where humans are so detached you know, then they're, they're around these walls, and you, you experience this horrible smell that came from them because they're continually crying out for mercy, and their bodies are constantly burning, burning, burning. What if there's a place where there are people that are constantly screaming, and all you hear is their screams filling the air? You know, and all, all you can hear is, you know, Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy, have mercy on me. Anyone in here ever smelt a dead animal, a dead rat? Multiply that by several times, and you'll know what a dead flesh smells like. I remember working at the hospital and leaving. We used to leave through exit through the morgue, 
And you can always tell when they had brought in a body that they had found that had been dead for several days because of the stench. There was nothing you could do to get rid of that smell. But what if there's a place where you see all these objects flying around, dotting here and there, where there's these creatures there that you see on science fiction movies that are constantly poking and plotting and doing things to these forms that you see? What if there's a place where people want Jesus to have mercy on them, but he can't? What if there is a place where there are people that are moaning and crying and wishing they could come back to earth and give it another chance. Hmm. What if some of our relatives are there saying, I wish I can go back and tell them. I wish I had one more opportunity to come and tell my grandson, to tell my uh, cousin, to tell my niece to repent of their sins while they're still on earth. What if? What if they feel so bad for you that they would hate for you to end up where they are? I want you to imagine for a moment this place, and I want you to think, if these people are actually there, do you think that they really would be saying, gosh, wish I had another joint? <clears throat> One more woman will be good for the road. Gee, wish I can go and hit the nightclub tonight. You think that's on their mind? Nah. Because they have come into the reality of what they avoided while they were on earth. Hmm. And what if someone responded to them that the reason that you cannot return to earth and tell anyone about this is because every day the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached so that the people on earth might be saved and not come to this place. But the thing of the matter is you and no one else can make that person believe. As much as you love them, the choice has to be individual, and the choice has to be theirs. Hmm. Well, what if you can live on earth as if you're dead and let someone else live through you? I mean, what if you can actually live on this earth and somebody, you know somebody, is stabbing you in the back? and you don't react. Or somebody is just constantly talking about you and putting you down, and you don't react. Or there is nothing anybody can do ever to make you angry or bitter or jealous or envious. There is nothing that anyone can do to ever stir your emotions. What if you could actually live here and speak no words that come from your own opinions. No words that come from you. No words that come from TV programs. No words that come from fictitious novels. No words, only words that came from another source, the word of God. Hmm. 
Let's turn and look at Philippians 1.21. The Apostle Paul gives us um, his reaction to this. Philippians 1.21. It's towards the back of your Bible, the New Testament. And in Philippians 1.21, the Apostle Paul says, for me, that he's talking about himself, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. See, for the Apostle Paul, magnifying Christ was important. Because to him, living actually consisted of serving and glorifying God. Otherwise, for Paul, life had no meaning. Now, if you all know the Apostle Paul, he was the one who was really coming after Christians, killing them, doing all manner of evil against Christians. He was the one who didn't actually believe that Jesus Christ existed. So initially, the Apostle Paul was an unbeliever in the things of Christ. And he, he was just, just doing all kind of things to, to Christians, you know, getting rid of them any way he can, until one day, he was on the road to Damascus, and this light shined so bright, and it blinded him. And he heard the audible voice of Jesus asking him this question, why do you persecute me? And that's the question Jesus asks us every day. For those who have chosen not to allow Jesus Christ to live his life through your body, for those of us who say, I've accepted Jesus, Jesus is my Savior, but you reject his life in your body. For those of you who say, I don't have to accept Jesus. I'm all right the way I am. I'm not a bad person. Hmm. The Apostle Paul says he's crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, he lives. Not him, but Christ liveth in him. And the life that Paul said he lives in the flesh, he lives by faith in the Son of God. So Paul is a living human being. He's a living human being like the rest of us was. You know, we have a will, choices. We have this body on earth. He have people who saying stuff against him. He had the opportunity to get angry. You know, but he said, I have chosen to not react, to not make my own choice, not operate by my own opinions or the opinions of my friends or thoughts or words. I, I've decided in myself that I'm going to just operate by the word of Christ, of God. So what if there's a place called hell? People joke about it, say, I'm going to join the party. And where in the Bible can you find that there's a party in hell? Nowhere. Always speaks of destruction. Weeping, gnashing of teeth. Nowhere, like I said, do you think those people burning are thinking about parting? Do you actually think they're saying one more for the road? No. To live for Jesus is obeying and serving, glorifying him. To live in such awareness of his presence. But the thing about us is too often our awareness of the presence of sin is greater than our awareness of the presence of God. If you look in the book of Psalms, 139, 
and look at the 7th through the 10th verse. Can you find that for me, please? It's in the middle of your Bibles. Turn backwards from where you were. Psalm 139. Okay. Someone has it? Does anyone have it already? If you have it, raise your hand. Okay, could you read that for me? Okay, so we see from this scripture that God's presence is where? Everywhere. Our problem is tapping in to the presence of God, the manifested presence of God. See, whatever is in us, within our present body, we're going to release it. Whatever is in us, if, if anger is there, it's going to be released. Even if you're angry about something that happened years ago, you're going to act it out some kind of way in your body. If abuse is in your body, you're going to act out abuse. Whatever is present in you, hurt, you're going to act out hurt. Resentment, you're going to act out resentment. Our personal presence releases what is in us, and our presence releases what we're full of. You're full of love, love will flow from you. You're full of love, everyone around you will experience that love. You're full of light, everyone around you will experience that light. You're full of goodness, everyone around you will experience that goodness. You don't have to work for it, you don't have to go and do good deeds, it will just come up and out of you. If you're full of anger, your presence releases that. If you're full of lies, your presence releases lies. If you're full of love, then your presence will release love. Jesus lived in such a way, such an awareness of God's presence, that he was so full of it that he could feel when God's presence left him, when it went out of him. You remember how the woman with the issue of blood touched his garment? And he experienced that something had been distracted from him, had been taken from him. How many of us today live with such an awareness of the presence of God? How many of us are so keenly sensitive to the presence of God that we can feel when something goes out of us. You know what? My goal this morning is to try to impress upon you and possibly persuade you to renew your mind, to renew how you're thinking. Because, see, with a renewed mind, you'll be able to receive what I'm saying. And with a renewed mind, you'll be able to experience some unseen realities. 
You see, this morning message can boost your faith a little bit. It can get you to thinking a little bit. It can even frighten you a little bit about the situation of hell, but you won't be able to sustain what is taught unless your mind has been renewed. And many of us don't experience a renewed mind. We come to church with the wrong attitude. We don't come with the attitude that I'm going to grasp this morning. I'm going to catch hold. I'm going to get what's for me. Now, for all of us, the entire message isn't for. There may be parts for you. There may be no part for you. It may be all for you, but whatever is for you, the, 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 the reality of that is, you know, when I go to church, I'm going to receive something that I need to help me in this life. You see, the morning message, like, like I said, can boost your faith, but you've got to sustain the word. We, we must recognize whether or not we are ready this morning to, to, to carry within us the presence of God, to, to carry this message where we are truly ready to die to ourselves. You know, the Bible tells us that the thing about us is when we tap into some lustly like behavior, and I'm, when I'm talking about lust, I'm not talking about actually sexual perversion. I'm talking about those things that we desire, those things that we like. When we tap into that, the Bible tells us we are led away. Not because the word of God isn't ready for us, but because we've allowed ourselves to desire that. We've allowed ourselves to be perverted by that. We've allowed ourselves to be distanced from God because of our own fleshly desires. God wouldn't have us to have our spirit to rule us so that we can connect with his spirit. But too many of us allow our flesh and our feelings to rule us. I mean, what if you, as a person, are really able to live this life on earth, possessed by, led by, and continually under the influence and in the presence of God. What if this first Sunday of 2010 that you said, okay, okay, Lord, once and for all, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to present my body as a living sacrifice by the mercies of God, holy and acceptable unto God and God alone. What if within each challenge or conflict in life, you spoke and affirmed that your body is not your own. What if something, as soon as you walked out of this church, came against you? And immediately you say, okay, Lord, I made the decision to present my body to you as a sacrifice. My body as a sacrifice. So... Beings that I have done what you did when you sacrificed your body on the cross, then that means I'm dead to this. I have died to this. And in your mind, you see a dead person, physically dead, and your non-reaction that you get from that person. And you see in your mind this message that when you die to something, there's no response. There's no emotion. There's no face made. There's no cussing out. There's no slamming doors. There's no crying. There's no bitterness. There's no resentment. There's no response. Why? Because you have chosen to die. You have made that choice to die so that Christ can live. 
What if you made that decision today? What if hmm, each time that the wrong thought came into your mind, that were you able to say, ha, ain't my fault. I ain't alive no more. Cast it down. Where that came from? I know that ain't coming in my brain. <laughs> it's only alive to the word of God. Hmm. Think about it. What if you can just actually refuse? Wouldn't you like that? I mean, I would love that. Wouldn't you like to refuse to react to the negativeness of other people? Wouldn't you love to just walk away and say, that's them, I ain't got nothing to do with it, and not let it bother you? I mean, clearly, not just walk away and say, I'm going to try to do this in the flesh because it was preached this morning, but clearly in your heart, you are presenting yourself, and you say, huh, ain't got nothing to do with that. That's you. You know, it's your choice. Wouldn't it be great? Well, I'm telling you that you can do it. You can do it. First of all, if you believe the word of God that says that he will sustain and strengthen you. Second of all, if you have the revelation of what I'm preaching to you this morning, because the thing about knowledge is that once you have a clear understanding of it, you can receive it. I mean, think about something that was difficult for you in school. Those things that were difficult until you mastered them, now they're easy. It's like a piece of cake. But when you first started to learn something, remember, especially stuff that we struggle with. You know, people may have a math challenge. They may have a science challenge. They, they may have a reading challenge. So those things that we struggle with, they are difficult first. And then when we master them, they just flow and they're easy. And that's the same with this word of God that I'm preaching today. It must be a present understanding in you. The timing of this word got to be crucial to you. It, it, it doesn't matter whether or not, you know, I eloquently preach it or simply explain it. It doesn't matter. All that matters is whether or not it's the right timing for the people that are hearing it and that you're able to receive it, grasp it, and apply it to your life. Because it is with an understanding heart that revelation can be trapped. If the message doesn't set off the light within inside of you, then the ground that it's falling on would not bring forth a harvest. But I really want you to think about my initial question and the title of this message. What if there really is a hell? I, for one, wouldn't want to find myself there. I pray that you wouldn't either. I pray that you don't fall for the deception that says it's fun in hell. And for those who have had a spiritual experience of going to hell and coming back to share it with others, they always come back and they warn of what's going on there. It's not a place that you would want to be. So you have a choice this morning. You can choose to accept Christ and allow Christ's life to be lived through you. Or you can choose to say, timing is off. Message not for me. Got to have a few more parties. Got to tell a few more people off 
got to cuff, got to steal, got to cut the food, got to lie, got to joke. Got to, it's fun for me. Not ready to give it up. Not ready right now. Too early for me. I'm too young. Too much of life. Just not ready right now. Then I understand. But it is my prayer to each one of you that you come into the real knowledge and the revelation of Jesus Christ before it's too late. I would hate for anyone in here to have to experience and to find out after you're dead that you should have repented, that you have, should have accepted Christ, and that you should have lived the life of Christ while you're on earth. Now, the message is not to scare you. It is not to manipulate you. It is only to talk to you and to provide for you this first Sunday of the new year. Because, see, I know many people in the flesh make re resolutions, and those are fleshly resolutions. And I think the percentage is like 89% or somewhere around 90% of the people that make resolutions don't follow through. And that after about three, four weeks, they're, they've forgotten the resolutions they made. You know, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop part. I'm going to dish you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm my question always, what's the difference between December the 31st and January the 1st if your heart hasn't decided and you've said, I'm going to repent now. I want to change. I, want to I really, truly want to live a different way. Now, if you've done that in your heart and you're challenged with that, that's totally different. That's totally different than making a fleshly resolution. So this morning, I want you to think about it before we do the altar call. Do you want to really present your body as a living sacrifice? I mean, are you truly tired of trying to do it yourself? I mean, have you actually had enough of trying to analyze and understand people and why they did this, that, and the other, and why this and why that? I mean, are, are you really sick and tired of trying to make relationships work? Will this be your day to surrender your body? If so, I'm going to ask you to come up for prayer. If not, pray about it and see where God leads you. And in your prayer, 